Mexican lawyers say that some asylum seekers being sent back to Mexico shouldn't be. The criticism is focused on the Migrant Protection Protocols Program, better known as Remain in Mexico. NPP is short on the last P, however, as there aren't clear protocols on who should and shouldn't remain in the country. Advocates say that many vulnerable populations could face harm if they stay in Mexico. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Gustavo Solis, you're a part of the Border and Enterprise team at the Union Tribune, and recently you've been covering some of the fallout when it comes to the Remain in Mexico program. First, can you catch us back up to speed about how this is supposed to work? Right, Remain in Mexico program, it is a policy that the Trump administration started back in January. The purpose of the policy was to prevent people from presenting themselves at the border, coming into the U.S. with illegitimate asylum claims, and Mm -hmm. then skipping out on their court date. The proposed solution to this was that the Trump administration is requiring people who present themselves at the border and are seeking asylum to wait in Mexico while their case is determined. Mm -hmm. The point of that is, well, if you are an illegitimate asylum seeker and you're forced to be in Mexico, you're just going to turn around. And has that happened as much as the Trump administration would like it to happen? It's difficult to get accurate numbers on Mm -hmm. what's going on. You do notice it on the ground. Like when I go to immigration court in San Diego, there'll be entire dockets that are just remain in Mexico dockets of people that go to the border in the morning and they get bused to the immigration court and then bused back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And you do notice that several people don't show up for their court dates. Why they don't show up, I'm not really sure. It could be they did just decide to turn around and go home. It could be that they um, slept in and didn't make it to the bus. It could be that they were kidnapped in Mexico mm-hmm. um, or they crossed the border illegally. Like There could be a variety of reasons, but it is true that people in Remain in Mexico are not showing up to their court date. And it is actually factually correct that people have said, I'm not going to be in Mexico anymore. I'm just going to go home. So if the point of this policy was to add another layer of deterrent from people claiming asylum in the U.S., it has succeeded with that, right? It appears to be so. Yeah, it has succeeded. Um, Advocates, uh, immigrant right activists and immigration lawyers would argue that it has succeeded at the expense of legitimate asylum seekers who are in an extremely vulnerable situation and are now being placed in an even greater and more vulnerable situation by being forced to stay in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And were there any things within MPP that said these certain groups or these people that meet this criteria are allowed to stay in the U.S.? There are vague exceptions written into the policy, um, but they're mostly on a case-by-case basis. So, so they, the administration made the point if somebody is particularly vulnerable um, or has a pressing medical condition, they would be allowed to come into the U.S., presumably in uh, an immigration detention center, or if they have family, they could be paroled with family inside the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, that would presumably in- include members of the LGBTQ community who face persecution in Mexico as well as their country of origin. It could be uh, people with severe mental 
health conditions, physical mm-hmm. health conditions. It could be uh, pregnant mothers who may not have access to care in Mexico. Um, it, it, it could be unaccompanied children as well. But what we are seeing and what we reported on most recently is that these case-by-case situations are kind of random Mm -hmm. and the federal government isn't always exercising their discretionary rights under this policy. So what you end up with is people who arguably should not be returned to Mexico be sent back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that's the criticism from a lot of the migrant advocates. Why don't you kind of go a little deeper and kind of describe those um, mistakes that those who support migrants and asylum seekers say the government is making? Well, the story I wrote about were two main ones, and they kind of fall into two different categories. One would be the the exceptions under the the vulnerable communities people. There have been... um, transgender individuals returned to Mexico and then faced uh, assaults and robberies south of the border. Mm -hmm. There have been uh, children with autism sent back to Mexico and parents complaining, saying, you know, I I don't want to go back to Mexico. I I don't have medicine for my child over there and they need special care. There have also been instances of families with young children. They spend a couple days in CBP detention Mm -hmm. and the children get sick. They, they need doctors, they need medicine, and the parents can get neither of those in Mexico because, A, they don't have money, and, B, they don't know how to do that. So there have been those types of cases where lawyers have argued, like, based on your own policies, your discretionary powers allow you to exempt them from remaining in Mexico. So is there any legal recourse for either the victims in this case or, like, these advocates who say the government isn't following its own rules like is there any kind of legal mechanism that could resolve this not that i'm aware of i mean it's discretionary right so it's Mm -hmm. not like a black and white rule if someone is pregnant they are exempt there have been a lot of cases of sort of uh, immigration cases being procedurally terminated Mm -hmm. on grounds that the asylum seekers should have never been in the program to begin with. And this is sort of the other side of the coin that I sort of referenced earlier. When Remain in Mexico began, it was only for people who presented themselves at the border. Mm -hmm. They waited in line, went through the legal channels, and that was the main population of people who could be in the program. It did not apply in the beginning to people who crossed the border illegally between the ports of entry. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that... that is a big distinction in immigration court. It's known as arriving aliens for the people who turn themselves in at the at the port of entry and aliens' presence without uh, permission or without inspection are the people who come in between the ports of entry. Arriving aliens and aliens present without inspection have two different tracks of what's available to them in terms of rights and due process within immigration court. Mm-hmm. And because the the group of people who crossed illegally in between the port of entry because they weren't included in the program to begin with. Judges now are pushing back when the government's lawyer, lawyers try to place them in the program in immigration court. So I have seen cases where in San Diego's immigration court, judges will snap at the 
government lawyer saying, why, why are you putting this guy in the program? Like by putting this person in the program, you put him at a greater disadvantage and you didn't give him access to rights that Congress meant for this person to have and they will dismiss the case or, or not dismiss it. They'll simply just throw it out. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that for the individual asylum seeker, it's not really clear what that means for his or her case. Mm-hmm. Um, if their case is thrown out, presumably they would be returned to Mexico, and then what would they do, right? They'd start the process over from the very beginning. Um, they may not have lawyers to do an appeal or seek different forms of relief under immigration law, so it's a lot of uncertainty in terms mm-hmm. of what rights are available for the people who were incorrectly placed in the program. So when government lawyers try to make that argument and put as many people in the Remain in Mexico policy as possible, what happens if they, like, obviously that creates tension, but is there any kind of, like, negative impact on the government lawyers, or does just the judge just say, like, no? Like, what happens in the situation? They don't get in trouble, the government lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I've seen... Some judges will push back. Like the, the I saw one exchange a couple of weeks ago in immigration court where the judge asked a government lawyer, hey, why is this person in the program when they clearly shouldn't be, in the judge's opinion? The lawyer said, well, this is our interpretation of the policy. Mm-hmm. And the judge didn't like that answer. He said, well, look, I can tell you black is white when it's not, but I'd have to back it up with actual arguments. So why don't you tell me why this guy was in the program and back it up with legal arguments? And the government's lawyer simply said something along the lines of, um, I have nothing further to add at this point. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really have an honor, uh, an answer for why they're being placed in the program. Because it, it does kind of track with the way the Trump administration has been trying to tackle the immigration issue by kind of seeing how far they can get and courts have been stopping a variety of different programs time and time again. And it appears with the Remain in Mexico, they've kind of found a line in which they can restrict how asylum is functioning, but not completely turn it off. It seems like they're as close as they can arguably get using what policies that they have access to, right? I believe so. But you're right. This isn't happening in a vacuum. This is one of many policies that are designed to slow down immigration, both legal and illegal immigration. Right, the the most the latest one was this third party rule where mm-hmm. the government said if if you came to the southern border after a certain date, you have to first apply for asylum in Mexico or any country that you crossed before you got to the southern border before applying to the US. That policy is also being challenged in court, but while the court case is pending, the federal government can continue to enforce it. Um, so little policies like that, when you look at them all together, the purpose is to slow down migration from Central and South America into the United States. Mm-hmm. And in Mexico, is this creating any tensions there? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, um, in both borders of Mexico, right? On the northern border, there are cities like Tijuana, Mexicali, Juarez, uh, Matamoros, where the migrants are being returned to. All of those cities are struggling to provide enough shelter space for them, medical space for them. The residents are starting to push back, just 
last week in Mexicali, there was a protest against building a migrant shelter there. Mm-hmm. Um, in Tijuana, there have been protests in, in the past. I know when the caravan was here last year, there was an anti-caravan protest, and a lot of the asylum seekers are used as scapegoats. They bring crime. They bring drugs. We don't want them here. They're sucking resources away from the towns that, that need them. So there is pushback on the north side of the border. On the south side of the border, there has been a bit of unrest with the Mexican government limiting people from crossing from Guatemala to Mexico. There's actually a group of, uh, a large group of African asylum seekers who are not being allowed to enter the country right Mm -hmm. now. So there's unrest over there as well. Yeah, it's it's often kind of... People tend to focus on the story on the border here, but this is truly a constant wide problem that Mexico is in the middle of. Oh, definitely. I mean, Mexico is um, the only route to get to the United States, right? So people have to travel through that country to get here, and it does create a lot of problems for Mexico. Mm -hmm. So as the administration has been tackling immigration, primarily from the aspect of asylum seekers. Are there any other kind of changes that have occurred recently that kind of go beyond that specific scope? Well, with with Remain in Mexico, and and this is a complaint I hear from immigration lawyers uh, regarding a lot of the Trump administration's policies, is they, they're, they're sort of enacted haphazardly. There's no uh, public comment period. There's no study. There's no... Um, clear procedural guidelines. And what that does is, A, it creates a lot of confusion in immigration courts, and B, it creates some unintended consequences, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a story I'm I'm finished up right now. It's going to publish soon with the Union Tribune, and that is the Cuban asylum seekers in the southern end of the border. I'm sorry, the Cuban asylum seekers in the southern border. Mm -hmm. The issue with the Cubans is there's about 4,000 of them, and they make up about between 10 and 15% of everyone in Remain in Mexico. The reason I thought writing about them was interesting was because historically, the United States has been a very welcoming place for Cuban asylum seekers going back to the 1960s. Yeah, part of the Cold War. Yeah, exactly. And the, the point was, or the thinking was, Cuba is a communist country, it's a communist regime. We are the democratic power of the world, and we would like to help those people suffering under uh, communist rule. So in the 1966, the Congress and the president then signed the Cuban Adjustment Act. Essentially, it states that Cubans who enter the country and pass through inspection when they come into the country, if they are in the United States for one year and one day, they can uh, get a green card. Mm-hmm. This is the legal framework behind the wet foot, dry foot policy that was so so popular in the 80s and 90s. The problem with MPP is that it kind of negates that yeah. in, in a weird way. Um, because obviously if a Cuban asylum seeker presents himself or herself at the border and then they are asked to return to Mexico where they wait you know, five, six, seven, eight months for their immigration case to be complete. All that time they spent in Mexico, it doesn't go towards their residency requirement or the, under the Cuban Adjustment Act. So it 
it kind of removes this benefit that Congress gave to them and their countrymen have endured or have benefited from for decades. Mm -hmm. And with that haphazard way that these new regulations are put in place, this is kind of the fallout of that. Yeah, exactly. I I, I don't know. I I don't suspect this was thought of when MPP or Remain in Mexico was being implemented, Mm -hmm. but it's become an issue right now. There's a lot of confused, confused Cuban asylum seekers who have family in the United States who are fairly well educated, who know how the process normally works and are just confused by what's going on, right? They're Mm -hmm. sort of the first group of Cubans who are systematically being denied entrance to the United States in this capacity, whereas before it's always, come on in, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and there's some irony with uh, many Cubans in Florida being supportive of Republicans, so that is kind of a a tension point. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't thought about that. I would be curious to hear from them and see what they're Mm -hmm. thinking. Right now, uh, because a lot of the Cubans south of the border, a lot of them are in Texas and Matamoros. There's a fair amount of them here in Tijuana. A a lot of them have family in Florida. Mm -hmm. It's certainly interesting how these how these decisions kind of have ramifications beyond what probably the intent was. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a point. That that sort of goes to the point that the critics of these policies go is that they aren't really thoroughly vetted and studied, and that's why you have all of these unintended or intended consequences that create more confusion and chaos along the border. All right. Gustav Solis, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news... A new poll of Californians has found that a majority of voters agree with the sentiment that immigrants make the United States a better place to live. 20% of registered voters disagreed with the idea, according to the UC Berkeley Los Angeles Times poll. Democrats were more likely to agree, with 92%, versus 60% of Republicans who agreed. California has been a thorn in President Donald Trump's side, as the state has opposed nearly all parts of its immigration policy. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Try some of our other podcasts, too. Our Ideas and Opinion team hosts The Conversation, which features interviews with newsmakers and experts about San Diego news and issues. To see all of our audio offerings, go to unioncrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.